copyrighted program created by the Rio Grande Oil Company. Los Angeles Police calling all cars, attention all cars, broadcast 98. Check all construction jobs in your district for missing dynamite. Any information for Captain Wolf of the Arson Bureau of the Fire Department. That's all. Rolls and questions. Oh, you're crazy. Oh. There goes another one. 
It's in the wild away theater across the street. Turn in the alarm, will you, Sarge? And I'll get right over there. Okay. Your move, Eddie. You're crazy. It's your move. Now, wait a minute. Didn't you just move that piece over there to here? I did not. Now, look, I don't want to seem nasty about this, but it's your move. Well, if that's the only way you can beat me, I wash my hands of the whole game. Cheaters never part. Oh, are you calling me a cheater? I'm telling you that's your move, and what's more... Hey, wait a minute. Four. Four. Six. Six, that's it. It's a goal, boys. Exactly. 
And now the thing to do is to find the proprietor of this place and see what he has to say. What's your name? George Stimley. You're the proprietor of the store in the Wilder Theater building? That's right. What kind of a business do you conduct there? Well, high screen, power, delegation, and the lunchroom. What nationality are you, Stanley? Polish. Stanley, your right name? Well, my whole name is Stan Stotsky, but I change it to Stanley so the people in this country could pronounce it. I see. And are you a citizen of the United States or your own passport? Passport. You realize, don't you, that the reason we're questioning you is to clear up a situation which surrounds the attempted burning of a building where your business is located? Yes, sir. And do you realize that you're suspected of being one of the men implicated in it? Well, I may be suspected, why not? Well, now, when did you first get to the scene of the fire? Well, my amendment brought me about 5 o'clock. And when you arrived there, did you go in your store? No, sir. Tell me, Stanley, how do you lock your place when you go home? Always from the back. I turn the key in the back door and then leave to the front door. And when you close that back door, last, did you put anything against it? No, sir. And whose shoes did we find behind it? I ain't got no shoes there. Whose shoes might they be? I don't know. Have you anyone working for you? Yes. Abel Finley. Did he have a key to the store? No, not even my wife has a key. Only me. Now, how do you explain the fact that in your store we found gasoline on the floor and in a barrel out in back of the port? And dynamite on the cash register, behind the jars on the shelf and in the icebox, totaling 76 sticks with taps and fuses. I can't say. I don't know anything about them. Does it mean anything to you that we found that the window in your store is jimmied with the same tool that was used to cut a hole in your back door? And that the tool we found was one that was found in your house? A meat cleaver found in your kitchen? Tell you I don't know anything about it. All right, you can go now, Stanley. There's a few things I want to check on before I ask anything more than you. In the meantime, I think if I were you, I'd think it over and see if there isn't something you've forgotten. <laughs> Stanley time to think things over in silence. Captain Cato has numerous witnesses brought before him. The result of his investigation now? Now, would you tell me exactly what you saw, Mr. Gantler? Well, my wife and I awakened at the first explosion. It looked across the street. We live right opposite the theater building. My wife said, look, John, the theater's on fire. Yeah, I jumped up and looked out the window. Sure enough, flames were shooting out of the skylight on the top of the building. Well, I was just about to get dressed and go over when I saw a man come running out from behind the building and run down the alley. Did you get a good look at this man? Well, I couldn't see his features, but I, I know he was a stocky fella. He's about five feet seven or so. And he was running like the very devil. Well, thank you, Mr. Gaffer. I appreciate your coming to me with this information. It might help a lot. <laughs> that George Stanley never had a car before. But the last five days, he's been driving around in a Ford sedan. It seems mighty funny to me. <laughs> then, of course, I never would have mentioned a word about it, excepting for this fire thing, and you're suspecting him of having done it and all. I hope you won't think me a busybody, Mrs. Oh, no, not at all, Mrs. Mrs. Waller, Edith Waller. Well, Mrs. Waller, I'm glad you brought this up. This is a very important point, and thank you. Oh, that's all right. Thank you. Thus, from the testimony of many witnesses, the finger of guilt points more accurately at George Stanley every moment. Meanwhile, Captain Enos, battalion chief of the Los Angeles Fire Department, makes his report. 
After thoroughly investigating the aspects of this case, it is my conviction that George Stanley and Abel Finley, employed by Stanley, attempted to burn this building. What's been done about locating the Finley man? Every police station in all the surrounding towns has been notified to be on the lookout for him. We have a tip that he might be in Tijuana. There are a couple of boys who've gone down there. He knows this man's got to be bombed before we can do a thing to Stanley. Every piece of evidence we have against him is purely circumstantial. You know what the court will do in that case? Yes, yes, yes. Throw the whole thing out. And we can't let that happen. Now, there's only one of two things we can do. Find Finley or get Stanley to talk. Officers from the Los Angeles Police Department and from the arson squad search through Tijuana, but not once did they catch sight of the missing Finley. Meanwhile, in the office of Captain Wolf. Stanley, how do you explain the fact that your helper disappeared so suddenly after the fire? I don't know anything about him. In other words, Stanley, you deny having anything to do with this case. Of course I do. How much insurance did you have in your property? Well, about $9,000 worth, including the fixtures. You think this will cover the loss? I don't know. I haven't been able to see how much damage was done, but I imagine it will. Have you ever handled any explosives before? I have never handled any explosives at all. Ever have a gun? No. Hey, I don't know what you're driving at, but I tell you I've done anything about this fire, and you can't make me say I do. You're getting mighty hot under the collar for a fellow that hasn't done anything, Stanley. I was only asking you some routine questions. Will I get all nervous if you're pumping all this stuff at me? You think I was a criminal? You might be at that. What's this? Never mind, Stanley. I think you heard me well enough. Once again, Stanley has returned to his cell, and Captain Wolf carries on his investigation. Everything seems to point to Stanley, but nothing definite to be pinned upon him. No actual piece of evidence strong enough to convince a jury. Then a week after the fire, one of the officers assigned to the investigation returned from San Diego with a companion. Captain Wolf, this is Mr. Carrillo. How do you do, Mr. Carrillo? Will you sit down? Thank you. This officer tells me that you had some dynamite stolen from your outfit down in San Diego. That right? That's right. Why didn't you report this to the police when you discovered it? Well, uh, you see, I was afraid to report it because I was uh, afraid if you want to find out, I get fired. Didn't it strike you that it might be pretty dangerous to have all that dynamite floating around loose? I don't think of that. I was only afraid to follow my job. When did this happen? Uh, on uh, June uh, 15th, sometime in the evening. Have any idea who did it? No, uh, only uh, one of my men saw a car hanging around the afternoon. He told me about it, but I don't think anything of it uh, until next day when I find the explosive missing. Uh, then, uh, as I say, I was afraid to report it. What kind of a car was it? A Ford sedan. Did the man see how many people were? Uh, two men, he say. Uh, when he go up to speak to them, uh, they stop the car and drive away. You realize, don't you, that this is a very serious thing you've done. I'll be reporting the theft as soon as you discovered it. If we'd have known this earlier, we might have had the guilty parties in custody by now. I know, Captain. But honest, Captain, I, I don't think anything about it when it happened. I was too frightened. Well, he's trying over soap now. First thing we've got to do is check every rental lot and find who rented the Ford sedan on that day. You're the manager? If I am, I'm trying to find out who rented the Ford sedan on or about June 15th. Keep records of this sort of thing? Yeah, certainly. But if you're an awful lot of trouble to find out unless you know the name of the party. It's going to 
be too bad, then, because I'm going to find out. And if it takes all day, you and me are going over the book until we do. But they should have eaten from yet. Maybe this will help. See this bag? Oh, uh, Tupper. It was certainly we can look through the book. Yeah, it's a pleasure. If you'll come into my office. All right. Have a seat. Cigar? Sure. Don't mind if I do. I, I, I got the book right here. Now, 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 when did you say it was you one didn't know about? June 15th. Right around there. Eh? June. Let me see now. April, May. Here we are. June 12, 13, 16. How about it? See anything like it? Pleasure, Ford Wait a minute. Did you say a Ford sedan? Yeah. Here's one that ended on the tenth of June. It's the only Ford sedan we got. How long is it out? And then it's free from the tenth till the morning of the seventeenth. Yeah, that's just about right. You got any way of giving me a description of the party who rented it? Yeah, I remember him. His name, he said, was Zygmunt. Zygmunt? What'd he look like? Well, as I remember, he had a bum arm. But he seemed to be able to drive all right. And he had a driver's license. Leaving the address? Yeah, yes, right in the book. 25, 26, Stumple Street. Oh, yeah, that's the baby we want. How far has the car been driven? Let's see. Out at 31,000, in at 31,650. Hmm, that's got a bit of mileage for one week's driving, isn't it? Yeah, quite a bit. But when people ain't charged, they seem to drive more than they would their own. <laughs> I guess they want to get some money's worth or something. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's right. Well, thanks a lot. Well, you've been a great help. Sure, anything to help the law. If, if you ever want to rent a good car, don't forget this place. We got the best prices in town. <laughs> okay, partner, I'll remember that. Well, goodbye. Call again. What you got in the front of the dance, Sammy? What? I don't know what you're talking about. You mean you didn't want a Ford car on June 10th and keep it seven days? I did not. Depending? I don't know. I didn't see it. But the neighbors tell me to tell you right in the morning one for about a week before the fire. It's all a frame up, I tell you. I never had a fall. I'm going to explain the fact that there was a false sedan answering the description of one who was seen right again rented on June 10th. The address was your place of business. I don't know. Maybe Finger rented it, but I didn't. All right, Sammy. Go right ahead and deny the whole thing about it. And I'll tell you this. We're building a pretty good case against you. Very shortly, we're going to have enough to bring you into court. When they do, you're going to have an awful lot of things to explain away, and that's not going to be too easy. Expecting the description of the man who rented the car with descriptions of the missing Finley, police are certain that the two are the same man. However, nothing positive is found that can link Stanley with the actual crime. Witnesses are questioned, only to say that the man they saw leaving the scene of the fire might have been Stanley, but they can't be sure. The workman from San Diego, who saw the two men in the Ford, is questioned. says he thinks he can identify them, but he's positive. Every piece of evidence in, every clue run down, Captain Wolf, Chief Enos, and Assistant Captain Detective Cato meet in Captain Wolf's office to discuss their plans before bringing the case to trial. Stanley is guilty as the devil. We all know that. I'm skeptical about our securing the conviction on the evidence we had. And I'll see it on that face that we had Finley, but he seems to have completely disappeared off the face of the earth. I've had men on his tail ever since the fire, but so far we haven't even gotten one good lead. His neighbors from San Diego can positively identify Stanley, and the stand, he's got a good chance. He's 
turns out to be another I think so artist is done. What do you think, Peter? You read and try to get some me, or should we go to court with what we've got? We've got no choice. We can't hold Sandy forever on a suspicion charge. He's either guilty and he goes free. But it's got to be one or the other. All right. I guess all we can do is to take a chance and hope that the jury sees the case in the right light. I hate to think of this guy getting off scot free. Well, you know these juries. I don't know why it is, but for some unknown reason, they seem to consider arson a very funny thing. I don't understand just what they think it is, but I found that most juries have to have absolute proof in an arson case that they just laugh it off as much as to say, go ahead and burn down another building. They like they have a fire sign. And it's almost that bad, isn't it? Well, we can only hope that this time we'll get a jury made up of people who realize how serious a fire can be. July 20th, 1926. Department 22 of the Superior Court. Judge Arthur Keith presiding. Now, Mr. Freeze, 
the man you saw running across that vacant lot directly after the explosion killed something like this man? Mm. Yes, yes, I say he was. Mm. In fact, Mr. Dree, this could be the same man. Not Your Honor, but how could it be that? Well, praise your question a little differently. Mr. Dree, could this be the same man? I believe it could. Not at all. Thank you, Mr. Free. I'd like to talk to you. Very well. You say you believe it. Now, Mr. Free, just why do you say you believe it? Why, uh... Isn't it because you're not sure? Isn't it because you know for a fact that due to the darkness of the night, it would be impossible for you to see this man well enough to say you see the man? Why, I suppose to a certain degree that is so. Thank you, Mr. Free. That will be all. I should like to call Mrs. Eva Zelda to the stand. You tell him, Mr. Ray, you're about to make a Miss Zelda to the whole truth, money, liberty, for the job. I do. Take Mrs. Eva Zelda. You'll be seated, Mrs. Zelda. Thank you. Now, Mrs. Zelda, you live on Temple Street, almost opposite the Wyler Way Theater. I do. On the morning of June the 17th. Did you notice anything unusual? No, I should say I did. I thought there'd been another earthquake. Well, what made you think that, Mr. Zelda? Oh, goodness sake. The old building across the street blew up. If you'd have heard the noise, you'd have known why. You mean there was an explosion in the building? Ain't that what I just said? Yeah. You knew Mr. Stanley by sight, did you not? Yeah, I did. And that's him sitting right over there. You will answer the court's question when you're saying to many comments, please, Mrs. Zelda. Your Honor, I mean... I understand it, Mrs. Gilder. You saw Mr. Stanley, the defendant, riding in a Ford sedan for about a week preceding the explosion. That's right. And what's more, I know positively that Mr. Stanley... Oh, I beg your pardon, Judge. Uh, Your Honor. Mrs. Gilder, have you ever seen Mr. Stanley with a Ford sedan before this time? I have not. Well, he never had one. Is it of your opinion that Mr. Stanley had rented this car? It most certainly is. I object, Your Honor. This is the court of justice, and the opinions of the witnesses are of no value. I ask that that answer be stricken from the record. I am only trying to prove, Your Honor, that the defendant rented this car, drove to San Diego, and with the help of an accomplice, stole the dynamite used in this case. That is a leading statement. I ask that you will disregard what has been said at this meeting and contradict to the ethics of the Supreme Court. Gentlemen, gentlemen, you'll have to stop or I'll clear the court and call a new jury. I merely ask, Your Honor, to have the statement just made in this court stricken from the record. For nine days, the trial continues. Defense. Fighting prosecution, prosecution returning the battle. And at the end of the ninth day, the case is given to a jury consisting of nine women and three men. In the jury room, twelve people argue back and forth, pro and con. And finally, fifteen hours after they have retired, they return to the courtroom, hopelessly deadlocked. They are dismissed, and a new trial is set for September 17th. But the counsel for the prosecution finds that lack of evidence leaves no hope for a conviction, and asks 
that the case be dismissed. Thus, through the sympathy of nine women, George Stanley, alias Grigor Stanislavski, is free to continue in business until such a time as his accomplice, Abel Finley, is found and brought to trial. Then, and only then, will the truth be revealed. opportunity to come in contact with the suffering caused by fire. I feel sure that if the public saw what we in the fire department see daily, its indifference toward the time of arson would soon change to a feeling of loathing for one who could stoop to such a means of gaining financial aid. The crime of arson carries with it the second highest sentence to be found. Murder, of course, comes first. But arson carries a penalty ranging from 2 to 20 years in the state penitentiary. And in most states, it is impossible for an arson criminal to be paroled. Only through the most minute investigation of incendiary fires can your fire department learn the various ingenious ways that criminals start them. We want to realize that fact. We hope that after hearing our story tonight, the next time you happen to be called for a jury duty in an arson case, you will think more carefully before you reach a verdict. For this, too, is fire prevention of the most important kind. Thank you, Captain Wolf. In presenting this case tonight as a reminder of fire prevention week, we are proud of the fact that your fire department has an amazing record for efficiency. And we're also mighty proud that Rio Grande Cracked Gasoline has been chosen to power all firefighting equipment of the city of Los Angeles. In fact, the choice of Rio Grande Cracks for all police, fire, and emergency equipment by the cities of Oakland, Berkeley, Los Angeles, San Diego County, Maricopa County, Arizona, and many other western cities and counties has so aroused public interest in this gasoline that Rio Grande Cracks sales to motorists are greater today than ever before. And as a special inducement to get more motorists to try this patented process gasoline, all Rio Grande dealers are now offering free gifts. Drive up to the Rio Grande Crack gasoline pump. Ask for your free copy of the Calling All Cars News. And there, amid the true detective stories and latest movie news, you will find pictures of nine free gifts. Take your choice. They're free. Good night for the Rio Grande Oil Company.